Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Hello, everybody. It is Mike Rags and the Blue Gold Report. That's right. I had to lead with my name because I haven't been here in a while, and I do want to apologize. The Blue Gold Report is back and better than ever and brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes as we head deeper and deeper into the football season. Basketball has gotten under the way. Uh, Some injuries for the women to worry about, some losses for the men to worry about. Well, just one loss. Hopefully they can turn it around. But let's bring them in right now, and we'll talk all things Notre Dame sports. And remember, if you found the podcast rate review us and share us with your friends and if you're listening on espn radio 1380 and 100.9 fm on saturday morning stay tuned fighting irish preview is coming up next todd burlich from the blue gold illustrated joins us now todd have you missed me that's all i'll need to ask it's been rugged rags i can't believe we managed to keep the ship afloat but uh, we hung in there how you doing man i'm doing good and thank you uh mason Plummer of as always for or filling in uh, ably as always and you guys did a wonderful job but you know a couple weeks away i went to disney world and i come back and uh, boy uh, the men uh, the, uh, the football team had me worried uh, todd and uh, as well they should be they did not look good uh, at home last week it was a tough game to watch for a little bit yeah, we'll break it down a little bit more. They do survive 21-20 win home against Virginia Tech, Notre Dame's 16th straight win. It was interesting to me, Rags, in that obviously Ian Book had the seven-yard run with 29 seconds remaining uh, to seal the deal there. It was the first time you have to go all the way back to September 12th of 2015 to find the last time that Notre Dame needed a touchdown in the final minute of a game and pulled it off to win it. That was that Virginia game, if you remember, September 12, 2015, the Deshaun Kaiser 39-yard pass to Will Fuller. Um, so that hadn't happened in quite a while for Notre Dame, and it's a good thing it did because without that, I think this season could have absolutely gone down the tubes in a big hurry. Yeah, and that's uh, exactly the best way to put it, uh, down the tubes. And not only that, but Ian Book's career, uh, it was it almost seemed like it was hanging on the brink there at the end of that game, uh, Todd. And, and uh, you guys did a wonderful job breaking down um, what I've been breaking down with Brian Kelly since he's been here about the development <laughs> of quarterbacks. You guys did, touched on it again last week, and I appreciate that. See, I don't even have to be the, the, uh, <laughs> the loudmouth for that kind of stuff anymore. All right, we'll break down some... Uh, uh, football, basketball, and a whole heck of a lot of fun in a second, but we always start the show with Blue Gold Nuggets. What do you got? Got a four-pack this week, Rags. Let's start with, uh, I thought this was kind of fun. Uh, it's the ESPN's dual threat hoops rankings. In other words, they're kind of combining a look with the men's teams and the women's teams at the different universities. Um, let's see, Maryland comes in number one. The men are ranked number seven. The women rank four. Actually, Notre Dame will play said number seven men, uh, 12-4, December 4th, and that's in Maryland, so that could be a tough challenge there for the Irish. Uh, number two was Louisville. The men are ranked number five, and the women number nine. Uh, Kentucky, three, men number two there, and the women are number 13. Oregon, number four. The men are ranked 15th, and the women are number one. And rounding out the top five was Michigan State, the men number one, and the women number 17. Notre Dame checked in at number 16. Uh, the ESPN believes that both teams will make the NCAA tournament. I'm not so sure. I believe these rankings came out before what happened to the women and, uh, honestly, before what happened to the men. Uh, for what it's worth, Notre Dame is sandwiched in between number 15 LSU and number 17 VCU on that. I had to hearken back, Rags, to the 2014-15 season when Notre Dame's men and women dominated this poll 
The men finished that season 34-6. and six. The women were national champion runner-ups. Uh, that's when Notre Dame almost went to the Final Four. The women finished runner-up to Connecticut at 36-3. and three. So the men's and women's teams uh, combined for 70-9 and nine that particular season. Not too shabby stuff there. Uh, let's see here. Isaiah Pryor, you know, the secret we knew that was coming all along. Uh, Mason broke it down pretty good. He's now officially made his transfer from Ohio State to Notre Dame official, uh, committing. He will graduate. He, he will He'll graduate from Ohio State, come here, play next year. He'll actually, he graduated so quickly from Ohio State that he'll have two years of eligibility remaining. Good get for the Irish. This guy's a heck of a player. Actually played 31 games at Ohio State, including three this year. That's when he kind of checked out and put himself in the portal, the the, uh, transfer portal. Didn't want to play anymore because he would have lost that season. Uh, Let's see. The first college football playoff rankings are out. Notre Dame came in number 15 against sandwiched in between number 14 Michigan and number 16 Kansas State. We really don't have to worry about these too much, but I did want to throw it out there uh, for this reason. Actually, Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Alabama 3, Penn State 4, and Clemson 5. Rags, any surprises there for you? Penn State was a little surprised. I was I was just surprised that they didn't get like one other conference recognized. That's all. But uh, everything's right. Uh, to me, That that's correct, those four teams. Uh, Clemson being out side looking in that'll change because right this weekend lsu alabama is going to play and then at the end of the month uh penn state ohio state so they threw these four teams a bone clemson's going to get in if they keep winning yeah you're exactly right you know when you look at it you're like wait a minute clemson but you you, you broke it down perfectly these teams are going to play each other it's going to sort itself out uh, so actually it's 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 good it's good hype uh for this poll to put like a ohio state and a penn state there and an lsu and an alabama uh, last up here, the Notre Dame injury front. More bad news to the right side of that offensive line. Uh, Robert Hainsey broke his ankle, had to be surgically repaired this past week. Brian Kelly said he'll be back in the spring. Obviously, he's lost for the rest of this season, but Brian Kelly expects him to be back in the spring. Probably not at full go, but at least running around a little bit. A couple weeks earlier, Notre Dame lost Tommy Kramer to a knee injury. He's a little bit weak to week, but he could as well miss the rest of November, November and the rest of this regular season. Um, one other injury of note, the nickel linebacker, Jack Lamb. He's a sophomore. He has a hip injury. Doesn't sound like any surgery is going to be required to fix it or anything. It's just more something they're going to keep an eye on rags than anything. And for the first time since Louisville in the opening game of the season, in the opening half of the season, it appears that T.J. Jones and Jafar Armstrong are both going to play together at running back for Notre Dame. It's been all the way back since the first half of week one, which is pretty interesting there. Um, if It's been one or the other out. Uh, and going back to that Lyman situation, Tommy Kramer's been replaced, obviously, by Trevor Ruland, who did a nice job against Virginia Tech, frankly. And Robert Hainsey has been replaced by Josh Lugg, and those are your blue gold nuggets. I've got a bonus one. Sorry. Uh, since oh, I, well, I, Welcome know, back, Rex. Yeah, I know. I'm back and better than ever. Uh, actually, uh, Notre Dame women's basketball, they're playing Loyola uh maryland uh friday night so if you listen to the podcast it's coming up if you've listened to the show it happened but they are putting uh natalie achunwa in the ring of honor uh todd 2014 alumni now i ask you this there's six other women's basketball inductees in the ring of honor how many can you name um ruth riley one that's all i got rags (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, Skylar Diggins, come on. Oh, of course, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was actually studying up on Virginia Tech. You kind of <laughs> kind of threw me off guard there. You want another shot? Yeah, Skylar Diggins. I, I'm, I'm disappointed I missed Skylar Diggins. Uh, Neil Ivey's on there, too. Beth Cunningham. I thought she was. I was going to throw that one out. Beth Cunningham and Kayla McBride are the other five. If you're going to the ceremony tonight, if it's Friday, it starts at six o'clock. So, and I know there's a, a pretty bad injury. They've been dealing with injuries along with new uh, gals on the team, and that's part of the transition for the number 16 team, uh, Notre Dame. But um, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. All right, Todd, uh, what more do we need to do to break down this, uh, this show of the, the football game from last week? I mean, they got the win. Uh, mm-hmm. especially really more importantly, like you put in the notes uh, to rebound and get the win after what happened in Michigan. Cause that was, that was utterly embarrassing, but to, it would have been doubly embarrassing to lose yeah. at home coming off that. Yeah. And, and you know, you could feel it in the, uh, sort of atmosphere through the week leading up to Virginia tech that the guys were a little bit down. Now that said, you know, they were ready to take uh, command of this game late in the first half and go up 21-7 when Jafar Armstrong lost that fumble that was turned, returned 98 yards for a Virginia Tech touchdown. Rags had been 1,273 carries since a, run, a Notre Dame running back fumbled. So that was a pretty good run there. That's over now. That really flipped the game, went from 21-7 Notre Dame to 14-14. And it kind of added you know, to sort of the misery that Notre Dame was going through. And Brian Kelly, he addresses it here, just how he was pleased to escape with a win, especially given the way the whole thing went down. Well, that was a great character-building win for our football team. Proud of them. Uh, They endured a lot this week um, and had their character tested, and they responded. Uh, So, again, happy for those guys. they, uh, again, found a way to win a football game, which is very difficult, uh, especially the way they did it. But our guys responded. We got them back together at halftime, told them they've got to continue to fight, continue to persevere. They did that. Those are all character traits that we were looking for that um, um, we needed to see on display. We saw them and uh, really happy for them, proud of the guys and uh, excited about the win. You know, Todd, they lose that game. The narrative uh-huh. coming out of it is just, Jeez. oh, my God, where do you start? Whether it's the quarterback, the coach, uh, uh, the, play, the play calling, the mistakes, the lackadaisical effort. I mean, they are so lucky they got out of there with a win. And isn't that the, the funny part about football? You know, they're one play short of, of losing this game. You know, they had the big fourth and ten play. The book completed to Chase Claypool. Without that, you're exactly right. And now everybody's uh, moderately happy. I wouldn't say giddy over the whole thing. The one stat that jumped out at me about this game, Ian Book went 29 of 53. 53, remember that number. Two touchdowns and two picks. Ten previous times, Notre Dame, or the last ten times Notre Dame has thrown 50 or more passes, it lost all ten of those games. So it's the first time in the last 11 that a quarterback threw for 50 or more and was able to win it. So that shows you how precarious this all was. On top of that, Rags, Notre Dame was a 17-point favorite in this game. And yep. so to have it have to come down to that, um, you're exactly right. This really would have been a mess if uh, Notre Dame didn't make a couple of those huge plays on that last drive. Yeah, and, and that's the bottom. And I hated the play call on the fumble, too. That just, I don't know. I mean, if you watch at it from afar, the, the fumble return for a touchdown, it almost looked like Notre Dame was like, you know what? 
you do you take this let's keep this game close <laughs> somebody might right. have bet, somebody might have bet the, uh, the, the 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 spread on this anyway uh no i'm just kidding but anyway it did it, it was i didn't like that play call a lot of the play calling in that game and to throw the ball 53 times uh for a guy that's been struggling yeah. uh, mightily a little questionable and and your running back core is healthy against so I, I look Again, well, they it wasn't in this. It wasn't, it wasn't in, in that, that game. game. Right, you're right. I'm, 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 I'm digressing into a, a diatribe here. I don't want to get into because there is good news. Uh, Kyle Hamilton. Very good news. Yeah, very good news. It, it was Notre Dame's 16th straight win at home, which is the third longest in program history. So for whatever that's worth, yeah, Kyle Hamilton just continues to be a star out there. Six five two ten. What more can you say there? In 26 snaps against Virginia Tech. Four total tackles, one pass breakup, and really the game-clinching interception, his third of the year, and, and that's in 26 snaps. The guy has been amazing. He's only playing, and he's playing less than 50% of the, uh, the snaps. He's a substitute and kind of a specialty package kind of guy. His three interceptions anyway, 22nd in the nation, and third among all freshmen. He has 28 total tackles. Meanwhile, senior uh, senior safety Jalen Elliott has 29, so only has one more than Hamilton. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. Uh, the kid has a genius IQ and everything. Did a couple stories this week. We asked Troy Pride about him because Brian Kelly sort of said that he thought Hamilton had hit the proverbial wall. He looked up. If you've ever been in that auditorium at Notre Dame, they have the big schedule for the entire season hanging up on the wall there, and I guess Hamilton looked at it, and he couldn't believe they still had six games left. Obviously, this happened a couple weeks ago. And Brian Kelly said because of that that he thought that Hamilton hit the proverbial freshman wall. Well, here's Troy Pride disagreeing. Nah, it's not a wall for him. I mean, a freshman wall would be redshirting, would be not playing, would be, you know, you were five stars and now you're not the man. He has three interceptions on the year. Three more than me, <laughs> plus some BDs, plus some big hits. And it's like, golly, like, there's no wall for him, man. It's, 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 this guy is limitless for that kid. And, I mean, he's a 6'5 safety. It's like... You don't see many six five six that can move and can yeah. intercept the ball and can pick. Yeah. So I mean, he's special. So there's no wall, there's no ceiling, there's no roof or anything. Yeah, he brought it up there. That's what always stands out to me is his overall size and length. Oh is, my word, is ridiculous! And it stands out because normally in that position mm-hmm. you don't get people of that size and strength. And, and he's got those long legs, so he just kind of glides when he runs. He has closing speed like I've never seen before. I mean. He runs like a deer, hits like a truck, has great ball instincts. I honestly think he's going to be end up being the best safety, maybe even the best defensive player that Brian Kelly ever brought here. Wow. And I was kind of trying to look at the guys that maybe you had to include in that candidate list. And I think you have to honestly throw in Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman from this year's team, frankly, when you're looking at the 10-year Notre Dame career for Brian Kelly. Zeke Mata had a great year in 2012, but it's Zeke Mata. I'm not going to go there. I suppose Harrison Smith. Uh, would be the one guy that maybe uh, might rival Hamilton. We'll have to wait and see. Hamilton needs a shot here. But you know what? Even Harrison Smith, I, I always thought he ran well and had long strides. Hamilton's three inches taller than Harrison wow. Smith. Harrison Smith is 6'2", Hamilton's 6'5". But Brian Kelly said, okay, yeah, I'm finally going to give in the hype, and he's been trying to tamp it down all the way back to training camp when Hamilton picked off three passes in his very first Notre Dame practice. Um, over at Culver Academy, you know, and then in his, in his first home game, Hamilton picks off a pass and takes it for a touchdown. And here's Brian Kelly, at least, sort of, kind of admitting that, yeah, this kid's pretty good. 
what comes easy for him is uh, Rome in the middle of the field. Uh, great instincts, great vision, plays the ball extremely well in the air. I think that's uh, pretty obvious in terms of uh, his coverage skills uh, and, and obviously finding and seeking the football. I think, you know, continue to develop in the tackling um, department. You know, uh, he's got to fit and uh, come downhill and, and uh, be part of our run fit, so tackling. Uh, and then just... The, the rigors of playing college football, um, you know, all the games that, that he's asked to play and the physicality associated with it. So that's just a matter of time. That's weight room. That's conditioning. That's training. Uh, I think that's, that's uh, going to take care of itself. Both the things that I mentioned as the things that he needs to continue to work on, he just has a, a huge upside. It almost sounded painful that he had to give someone that much credit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah great point, Rags. Um, right, well, let, now let's look ahead now, and obviously it's tough. As a fan, you look at the rest of the schedule and you're like, all right, what the heck are we playing for here? I mean, what are we doing? Obviously we want to get in a good bowl game, a BCS bowl, blah, 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 blah. But it's hard to get pumped up when you head on the road to take on Duke, um, yeah. but you still want to get some wins. You, I, to me, this is the rest of the season to me, Tom. Ian Book, Ian Book, Ian Book. What is next year? And this is him playing for his Notre Dame career. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's going to be up to him whether or not he wants to come back for a fifth season. I certainly can't imagine Brian Kelly turning him down. I know, but whether he's going to play next year or not is really dependent about how he goes around these next three weeks, no? Well, I I don't I mean, are you suggesting NFL or are you no, talking I'm about suggesting, Brian Kelly benching him? Yeah, I'm suggesting he just goes with another quarterback next year. And he, okay, much I like see what Ta- you're saying. Much like Tommy Reese, he has him on reserve just in case because, let's face it, I mean, uh, he's not showing us enough. I mean, it, it's kind of like, it's a weird situation for Notre Dame fans. It is. You it see is. it all over Twitter. It's like, do you want, he polls all over the place. You want Ian Book to come back. Right. And you want to be nice about it, but at the same time, if he goes, he goes. It's a tough debate. It really is because, you know, you think about, oh, a third-year starter, how terrific would that be? Well, typically, if you're still around, hovering around a program as a third-year starter, as a fifth-year senior, there's a reason you're still hovering around a program as a third-year starter exactly. and a fifth-year senior. And I think it's time for Phil Jakovic to get his shot. I mean, he's not done anything that, that would suggest he can't handle the pressure he was a five-star kid, so let's get him in there, give him a shot. I wonder if Ian Book comes back and Brian Kelly says you're my starter, which I don't think Brian Kelly. I think Brian Kelly's smarter than to do that. I think uh, Jakovic. I think he might be out of here, and I, I wouldn't the same blame thing. him. Frankly, yep, I was thinking the same thing. So you're right, Rags. I, I agree with your point, um, and, and that uh, we're going to really have to evaluate this. I know Brian Kelly will be coy and won't be making any sort of public proclamations about who his quarterback's going to be. I think if he decides he's going to go with Jakovic, that might be told to Ian Book behind the scenes. I think Brian Kelly would owe it to Ian Book to let him know that's the direction he's looking so that Book could take his grad transfer year somewhere else. Certainly, yeah, you're right. That's going to be probably the storyline to watch. Not a lot of great pass defenses on the rest of the schedule, but certainly some quality opponents, as it turns out. Sure, and their defense is their strength on Duke. Their offense struggles to put points up on the board. Yeah, it is weird. Um, The the defense for Notre Dame should have the advantage in this game going in. Yeah, it is strange because David Cutcliffe, their head coach, obviously – He's known for his offenses. This team typically scores in the mid-30s, and they're below 30 points this year. Actually, they're 64th in scoring offense at 29.5 and only 100th in total offense. 
So a bit of a struggle there. Six meeting between these two teams. Notre Dame's up 3-2, to two, although Duke won here in South Bend the last time they played. That was in 2016. One thing that whenever I hear the name David Cutcliffe, if you remember Charlie Weiss, his original staff, David Cutcliffe was his offensive coordinator. Well, what ends up happening there is there were some health issues. I don't remember if it was a heart attack or what it was with Cutcliffe. He was unable to fulfill those duties and never that. made it here to yeah, South Bend. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't help but wonder how good this team would have been mm. how, had David Cutcliffe been able to work with Charlie Weiss. I think it would have made a huge difference. But all that aside, Cutcliffe has led Duke to six bowl games in the last seven seasons. That's amazing for, uh, obviously, a basketball program here. And at 4-4, four and four, likely going to be 7-8. of eight. Just to show you how historic a job Cutcliffe is doing, before he arrived here, Duke hadn't been to two straight bowls since Steve Spurrier coached the team in the oh, 1980s. And from 1990 to 2007, again, the year before Cutcliffe got here, Duke had more winless seasons, four, than it had bowl appearances, three. So it goes to show you this program was left for dead before David Cutcliffe cut. Eh, hard to say. Dang, I was rolling too with it. <laughs> before David Cutcliffe arrived. Uh, Notre Dame's a seven and a half point favorite in this game. Could be an honorary one, Rags. Really could be. Yeah, uh, I just worry about Duke putting up points. I do, and because uh, I'm I'm going with a cover here. Uh, I, I would have went with a cover last week too. So what do I know? Um, I'm looking in the area of thirty to nine. Thirty to nine. Wow. Come on, you Notre gotta, Dame. Yeah, of course Notre Dame. Oh geez, Duke's going to score on him. Um, I, I like uh, I like I I think it's going to be honorary. I honestly think Duke could win this game. I think the Irish squeak it out, though, 30-27. to 27. All right. Well, we both have the same amount of points being scored. You think they score. <laughs> I think they won't. All right. Uh, let's turn to basketball real quick here before we wrap up. And we want to touch on some hockey as well. they got some weekend games. Um, the men's hoops. Uh, the Valiant. You know, first and foremost, I, I, I was shocked to see them get seven votes in the top 25 AP poll. I was like, oh, all right. And I asked Jack Nolan, was he one of the votes? And maybe it was an actually only six. And then maybe, Todd, you have a vote. I'm not sure if you're on the AP poll. But uh, Notre Dame men got some votes. You know, they played against a kind of a shorthanded North Carolina team. But when you have Cole Anthony, <laughs> when you have Cole Anthony, I don't know if you need four other players. Boy, did he put on a show. Yeah, 34 points. He was fabulous. He was a top five recruit. Now you know why. Too yep. bad. Actually, Notre Dame recruited him a little bit, but obviously lost out, unfortunately. Irish kind of hung in their racks. Yeah, they did. 76-65, but they got to shoot the ball, man. This has just been ridiculous, even through the two exhibition games. Okay, if you count those two exhibition games and the North Carolina game, Notre Dame is 16 of 67 shooting threes, 24%, okay? Of that, Prentice Hub, who's having a nice year so far, Prentice Hub is 11 of 22, okay? So with Prentice Hub being 11 of 22, the rest of the Irish shooting threes this year are 5 of 45. Oh, my god! 5 of 45, 11%. Okay, well, here's the North Carolina game. Let me break it down a little bit additionally, the poor shooting. Okay, Prentice Hub, 5 of 9 threes, career high 22 points with 6 assists. TJ Gibbs, 4 of 6 shooting threes, 19 points, 4 assists. Great games there. If they play like that, I think Notre Dame should be pretty good, unless this happens. Hub and Gibbs are 9 of 15 shooting threes. The rest of the Irish, 0 for 16 rags. Yeah. And it's been going on and on all season. 
these guys, this sophomore class was supposed to be a bunch of sharpshooters, has got to start making some of these open threes. It's really getting ridiculous, frankly. Well, you just got to hope that it's just early season kind of, you know, getting well, the kinks. all last year, too. Uh, true. Um, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it's not going to get easier for them. It'll get easier before it gets... How uh, easier before it gets harder again? But uh, they've got some things coming up along the way here. Too. I, I just I was impressed that, like you said, how they hung in there. To me, I was just mesmerized. The, the, uh, Anthony is this year's Williamson, and I yeah. think the hype machine got off to a good start for both ESPN and and most people <laughs> who are looking towards the NBA draft next year. Yeah, just real quick, Notre Dame plays noon Saturday. Robert Morris, it's yeah. a home game. Robert Morris was 18-17 and 17 last year. But yeah, when Notre Dame was hanging in there, it was because Gibbs and Hub were making three-pointers one after another. Those two guys combined for 19 straight points for Notre Dame. It's not going to work out, Rags. That's just not going to hold up. No. Uh, and you look at the on the women's side, uh, devastating news with Michaela Vaughn, uh, four to six weeks. The good news is she'll hopefully eventually be back with that right knee sprain. Right. Uh, but they've been dealing with uh, 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 ladies going down all year. Uh, you have Abby uh, Prohaska. You know, she's got the mm-hmm. blood clots. So, uh, you know, Muffet's got to really coach and really coach hard this year, especially since, you know, she lost, I don't know, five starters last year to begin with. And now she's dealing yeah. with all this stuff. Yeah, and then a transfer, the sixth person, and now um, Michaela Vaughn, the only player in this team with really any tangible experience. Um, now she's out four to six with the knee injury. They survived against Fordham 60-55 after Vaughn went out, though. Boy, Fordham put on a big old run uh, to get things very interesting. Um, you know, they're going to rely on these two freshman hot shots. Sam Brunel had 14 points against Fordham, and Anya Peoples had 11. You're going to hear those names a lot this year. Caitlin Gilbert, a sophomore guard, she had a career-high 14 in that game. Boy, this is going to be tough sledding for these women, I think. I really do. They're ranked 16. Hopefully they can hold that spot. Uh, We mentioned the game Friday night against Loyola, Maryland. If you're listening Saturday to the radio show, it's already been played. If you get in the podcast early, it's tonight. Um, After that, they have two home games against Tennessee and Michigan State in the span of three days, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, But, yeah, just to give you an idea of how talented and what a great player Vaughn is, in that Fordham game, she played about half of it, eight points, nine rebounds, four assists. It's a huge loss for Notre Dame, not only from a production standpoint, but leadership and the whole works, Rags. It was weird, too, because she actually played. She came back. And she played a little bit longer, and then they realized the severity probably was there. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a tough break. Uh, but if anybody can coach them through it, we know Muffet can. So, And we know how top-heavy sometimes women's college basketball can be. So maybe they can you know, plot along here and get some wins. Who knows? And I know the hockey team, uh, they're on the road, right? They're Ohio State. I believe it's a home. Oh, is it home? home is it, is it, let me yeah. check. Uh, you might be yeah, right. It's number, number five, Notre Dame host number eight, Ohio State this weekend. Uh, the Irish are 5-0-1, so it's a big Big Ten matchup for the Irish this weekend on the ice. All right. Sounds good. We are out of time. Good to be back in the mix again, Todd. We shall do this all over again next week. All right. Thanks, Rags. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.